Are you one of the 1.5 million Georgians without health insurance? Visit GeorgiaAccess.gov to connect with the resources to find affordable private and public health care options. You may be eligible for financial assistance programs, including Medicaid and Peach Care for Kids. Even healthy people need coverage. An unexpected medical emergency can hurt you and your wallet. Open enrollment for health insurance plans ends January 15th, so don't wait. Visit GeorgiaAccess.gov today. What's one of your traditions? Is it turkey at Thanksgiving? Is it having an Easter egg hunt? Is it having Sunday dinners with your grandparents? Okay, well, let's talk about medicine. What is your medical tradition? In other words, if you're sick, what is your tradition for taking care of that illness? Do you go to a medical doctor, an osteopath, a Reiki practitioner, a curandero or curandera. In today's episode, we're going to talk about traditional and non-traditional medicine and how the lines are blurring between those two, even today. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Full Spectrum Holistic Health Podcast. This podcast is all about holistic health, what it is, various holistic and alternative health therapies, and how those may help you to be a healthier and happier person. Thanks for choosing to listen today. I know there are many podcasts out there for you to choose from, and I'm glad you are here. I'm the host for the podcast, Dr. Anthony Burton. I'm a Reiki master, EFT therapist, meditation teacher, and a shamanic practitioner. My goal is to help people be healthier in body, mind, and spirit, and that's why I'm here. A large part of what I do is educational in nature because so many people are unaware of the power and efficacy of various holistic and alternative therapies. In these podcasts, we'll hear stuff that will inform you, enlighten you, and help energize and balance you. Of course, it won't always be only my opinions and ideas because occasionally I will be interviewing knowledgeable and interesting guests from a variety of areas of holistic and complementary health practices. So kick back and relax, open your mind, and listen. Spectrum Holistic is a complimentary health and wellness business located in Northwest Georgia, USA. Check out the website at www.spectrum-holistic.com for more information. Well, as you probably heard, we're going to talk about traditional, non-traditional medicine. I say that traditional, non-traditional, because there is a real blending between the two. Now, traditional can mean different things to each of us. In one person's mind, uh, traditional medicine means they go to a regular MD who graduated from an accredited medical school, served an internship somewhere, has a practice in a medical office, a clinic, or a hospital. This is a modern Western allopathic approach to therapy, to medicine, and it's traditional to them because this is how this person's mom and dad and grandparents and neighbors and co-workers, this is how they've been treated for illness, uh, disease, injuries for many years. 
But maybe the person didn't grow up like that. To someone else, maybe uh, the person who grew up in or around an indigenous culture, traditional medicine might mean that they go to a shaman, a corandera or corandero, uh, an herbalist, or someone who helps facilitate healing in ways that they did not learn in medical school or while in an internship in a hospital. And this is traditional to them because their ancestors for decades, perhaps centuries, have received this sort of medical treatment. For thousands of years, with records starting roughly 5,000 years ago, practitioners used herbal remedies to cure illness, and many of these same herbal medicines or medicines that have been derived from them, either uh, as extracts or synthesized in the lab, are still used by modern university-trained physicians. Now, we're going to talk about some of them. For example, there is quinine. Now, quinine, uh, besides finding being found in tonic water, uh, was first used to treat malaria, and it was derived from the bark of the cinchona tree. Although modern quinine is created artificially in a lab, while quinine is sometimes reported to have been first extracted and used in 1820 by two French scientists, it was reported being used as early as 1638 in its raw form of powdered bark from the cinchona tree. Ephedrine, which is used in hospitals and is very tightly controlled nowadays because uh, ephedrine and its close relatives, pseudoephedrine, or pseudoephedrine, uh, are used in the manufacture of, of illicit drugs. Um, now it was derived from the ephedra plant and was recorded being used as early as 2500 B.C., uh, in Chinese medicine, but it is still used today. In about 1550 B.C., an Egyptian papyrus records, among other things, the use of aloe. And aloe is used in modern times to soothe burns. Uh, I have an aloe plant out of my greenhouse right now, and when I get a bad burn, I go out there and cut off a leaf and squeeze the sap onto the burn, and it really provides a lot of help. Castor oil. It's a long-standing remedy for constipation, as well as a component of modern ornaments that speed wound healing. And it was used, again, in ancient Egypt. And senna, which is also a modern treatment for constipation. And all of these were considered to be common treatments in Egypt as therapeutic herbs and herbal components. In the realm of pain control and treatment, Opioids have a long and checkered history. Opium poppies were the original source for this, and they are still grown today in many Middle Eastern countries. But opium tinctures and powders were recorded as medicines for the alleviation of pain as early as the 5th century B.C. And now, of course, opioids are normally synthesized, and they're made even stronger, and, of course, that gives them more side effects and makes them more addictive than the original. There are safer pain medications, too. Have you ever taken aspirin? Aspirin is acetyl salicylic acid, or ASA, as it's commonly called. And although in its commercial form it is synthesized from coal tar derivatives, the original actually came from the inner bark of a willow tree. The inner layer of the willow bark contains a chemical called salicin, and when it's ingested, the human body converts it to salicylic acid. 
and the use of willow salicin for pain relief was recorded as early as 3000 B.C., again by the Egyptians and also by the Sumerians, although the modern version of aspirin, the synthesized version, was invented by a scientist at Bayer, or Bayer, in 1898. In addition to being a delicious additive for ginger snap cookies and gingerbread and various other things, a lot of pork and chicken dishes, uh, ginger was recognized as a medicine by Arab healers in the Middle Ages. And even modern research has found it to be an effective anti-inflammatory and anti-nausea treatment. It helps reduce blood sugars and even helps reduce heart disease risk factors, among its other benefits. In addition to pharmaceuticals and herbal treatments, there are also complementary physical treatment modalities, such as massage, Reiki, yoga, qigong, and so forth. For many, now these treatment modalities are either unknown quantities or they are quack medicine. But actually now the term that is used for these non-allopathic medical therapies is CAM, C-A-M, or Complementary and Alternative Medicine. And they show up in hospitals and clinics all over the place. A recent study showed that one in four hospitals in the U.S. now offer CAM therapies. Now, just a few examples here, a few. And these are not little hole-in-the-wall hospitals and clinics. I purposely selected some larger ones so you could see that it's not just some rinky-dink thing. The Cleveland Clinic. Now, the Cleveland Clinic provided health care for over 2.4 million patients in 2019. But they also, in addition to allopathic treatments, they offer Chinese herbal therapy, massage, homeopathy, hypnotherapy, meditation, yoga, acupuncture, Reiki, and guided imagery to their patients. Johns Hopkins, another very big medical establishment, has over 1,150 patient beds and over 2,500 full-time attending physicians, offers massage, yoga, meditation, Reiki, hypnotherapy, and acupuncture. The venerable and famous Mayo Clinic, which cares for more than a million patients each year from all 50 states and over 140 countries, offers Chinese herbal therapy, massage, yoga, meditation, acupuncture, Reiki, and guided imagery. Penn Medicine. Now, Penn Medicine is a big one that, I, honestly, I had not heard of before, but it's a very big place. Had over 5.6 million outpatient visits in 2020. Employs over 8,900 physicians. But in addition to their standard allopathic treatment, they offer massage, meditation, yoga, aromatherapy, art therapy, acupuncture, and Reiki. Now, <laughs> obviously, these CAM modalities are not the kind of things that are only offered by small clinics or individual practitioners, but they are being adopted by mainstream medical facilities. But why? Well, they work. They would not waste time and money on such techniques if they were not effective in helping patients to heal. Let's move away from those statistics, and numbers are can be kind of boring. Let's talk about the therapies again. 
Now, massage itself is not a new technique. In the records of Ayurvedic medicine, the traditional medical practice of India, massage as a therapy was described as early as 3000 BC. And speaking of massage, it was also a recognized therapeutic method recorded in Egyptian writings and even by the famous father of modern medicine, Hippocrates. Hippocrates believed that massage had two primary functions, strengthening the muscles or relaxing the muscles. And his techniques were adopted by Romans for their gladiators and in spas for everyday citizens. Anyone, myself included, who has had a massage given by a trained massage technician can attest to the relaxing and healing nature of massage. I'm sure you've heard of acupuncture, but you may not have experienced it, probably haven't experienced it. Acupuncture is a component of traditional Chinese medicine. It involves inserting extremely fine needles into specific points on the human body, and these points are at specific locations along energy paths in the body. Those energy paths are called jingmai in Chinese, but Westerners, we call them meridian. Now, some people have called acupuncture a pseudoscience, but the National Institutes of Health, part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, states, and I quote them here, quote, Results from a number of studies suggest that acupuncture may help ease types of pain that are often chronic, such as low back pain, neck pain, and osteoarthritis and knee pain. It also may help reduce the frequency of tension headaches and prevent migraine headaches. Honestly, to me, that is a strong indicator that acupuncture is not just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Yoga, although trendy and becoming a major fitness industry, is not by any means a modern therapeutic technique. It has its roots in Indian Ayurvedic medicine and in its many forms can help increase flexibility, build strength, calm the mind, bring balance, both physical and mental or spiritual, to the individual. Now, while we're at it, let's talk about therapy beyond the physical. As I talked about just now, yoga can help the individual who may be experiencing tension or anxiety to attain a calmer state of mind. This, along with the physical benefits, is why many modern doctors may recommend yoga as a form of exercise for their patients. Meditation is often also a component of yoga practice, and meditation, a spiritual and health practice for thousands of years, can aid in de-stressing you and achieving the calm that will assist you to be healthier. As I said in a previous podcast, there are many forms of meditation. And again, this is an ancient practice that doctors in the 1950s, even the 1960s, probably would have sneered at, but is now recognized as a very healthy and helpful practice. It's often prescribed or recommended by physicians. In fact, mindfulness meditation is now a component not only of medical treatment, but is part of recommended daily practice at many large companies because they have seen the benefits of having calm, de-stressed employees. Here are some companies. Now, these companies provide benefits such as reserved meditation times, free meditation classes, and meditation spaces for their employees. And these are the companies, Apple, Google, Nike, Yahoo, Procter & Gamble, HBO, and other companies, smaller ones, are also realizing the benefits of healthful practices such as meditation. In fact, my wife's last employer 
offered us a sizable discount on our health insurance if we involved ourselves in regular meditation practice. In addition to helping with focus and helping to be more productive on the job, attaining a calm and balanced state of mind is beneficial for sick or injured persons. Calmer, more relaxed individual heals more quickly. Studies and research have shown that relaxed patients, whether they are relaxed because of Reiki, calming music, meditation, or nice calm views from their windows, heal faster and with fewer complications. With all the stress modern people experience, any practice that can reduce that stress is good for our health and our well-being. Stress is a silent enemy to our health. Stress makes it harder for the body to heal itself, increases our blood pressure, produces cortisol, this is the well-known stress hormone, and cortisol decreases our immunity to illness, causes fat retention, and can increase our blood glucose levels. And stress also can cause psychological issues that are invisible to others. We may look fine on the outside, but they wreak havoc with our inner lives. Sound therapy has also been used for thousands of years as a therapeutic practice. One type of such therapy involves what are commonly called Tibetan singing bowls, which may be played as a background for meditation or used in what are called sound baths. Another instrument that sound therapists use is tuning forks. I use tuning forks and singing bowls along with other therapies. And for eons, shamans and other indigenous healers have used chants, drums, uh, whistles, and rattles to induce trance-like states and thereby help their patients. Modern medicine may label some of this as the placebo effect, but I have a question for those people. If the patient or client was suffering before the treatment and afterward is no longer suffering, isn't that the goal of the treatment? Well, let me talk a little bit about Reiki, which is another one of the modalities I use. Reiki is a form of energy medicine which allows the practitioner to help balance and restore energy within the body. You may not have heard of this, or if you have, you may consider it to be a sham, but Reiki is also used in over 600 clinics and hospitals in the U.S., including not only the ones I mentioned earlier, but also Portsmouth Regional Hospital, Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center, Marin General Hospital, California Pacific Medical Center, the Yale Medical Center, and Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital, to name a few. Modern Western medicine itself recognizes that they don't know everything, and there are many illnesses or conditions that are called cryptogenic, which means that they really don't know what causes them. The origin is unknown. And the human mind often imposes illness upon the sufferer when there is no other known reason for the illness. In the last century, the term psychosomatic was used, and it was often stated as, oh, they're not really sick. Their illness is all in their head. Now, however, there are courses in mind-body medicine that deal with this particular issue, the, the impact that the mind has on the health of the body. And these uh, courses in mind-body medicine are offered in many major medical universities because scientists and doctors have realized the enormous impact the mental and emotional state of a patient has on the body. What schools offer this? Well, Harvard Medical School, for one, 
Thomas Jefferson University, Saybrook University, Georgetown University, the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine, and the University of Minnesota. These are all some of the more well-known schools of medicine. Now, I mentioned opioids earlier. And we know there's been a huge increase in opioid painkiller abuse, as well as overuse and abuse, and sometimes overprescription of anti-anxiety drugs such as Xanax and Clonopin and Valium. If I can just, instead of taking these drugs, listen to chimes or singing bowls or chant or meditate or get a massage, and these things can help relieve my pain and relax me, and I don't have to worry about the dangers of addiction and body damage from the drugs, that's a really good thing. I hope you realize by now that there's not such a gulf between modern allopathic Western medicine and traditional non-Western medicine as might appear. More and more physicians, especially the more recent graduates of medical school, see the benefits of these traditional practices, and they are recommending them to their clients. Now, if you feel some of these practices might be a benefit to you, talk to your personal physician about the possibilities. And of course, you're always free to contact me uh, to discuss any questions you may have. I might not be able to answer them, but if I can't, I will do my best to point you in the right direction. Are you one of the 1.5 million Georgians without health insurance? Visit georgiaaccess.gov to connect with the resources to find affordable private and public health care options. You may be eligible for financial assistance programs, including Medicaid and Peach Care for Kids. Even healthy people need coverage. An unexpected medical emergency can hurt you and your wallet. Open enrollment for health insurance plans ends January 15th, so don't wait. Visit georgiaaccess.gov today.